So you can open your Bibles or just listen while I read from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Israel, out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. <coughs> then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will, snap, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Good morning. 
Please open your Bibles again to Exodus chapter 3. Today is a day of introductions. Some of you William students have been here for a while now, but some of you are new and some of us from the community are new and we would like to really make take the opportunity to introduce ourselves to one another. So in the foyer on the table right underneath the television screen are these little um, stickums. Please take one of these markers and write your name because we want to get to know you. We're going to have a time of fellowship, a time of eating, food, playing games, all kinds of things, informal but important for the fellowship of the church. Please do that, even if you say, eh, everybody knows who I am. And I know most people. There are people who don't know you. I saw one student wearing her name tag on her forehead. I thought that was creative. I don't suggest that that's the norm, but you can do whatever you want as long as we can see who you are. And probably ask some questions. Today is a message about introductions. So if I were to ask you to stand up where you are and to introduce yourself to us, <laughs> you're getting nervous, right? What would you say about yourself? First of all, I wasn't ready for this. You can't put me on the spot. Um, I need some time to write something out. And then, But if you were put on the spot, you might say something like, my name is Doug Duncan. Um, I live in North Adams. I, I work here. I'm married to a wonderful wife for 39 years. I have four children. Um, let's see. I like to fish. I like to, and you might name some hobbies. You might name some of your friends. You'd have to sort of think of what you thought might be important to the person you're talking to, right? And what's important to you to communicate about that person. Well, in our passage today, God is going to introduce himself, first of all, to Moses and then to the Hebrew nation via Moses. And so he does so through this visual called the burning bush a story that we're probably most of us are familiar with, but which is very effective because it communicates the very thing that God wants as the foundation for his relationship with Moses and with the people. What is that that he wants to communicate? What's, what's the core of who God is that this bush will communicate powerful love hope okay it's all these things but it's really in this particular there's a right answer god is holy he reveals himself through a blazing fire but what's unique about this fire is that 
Though it's blazing and fires have different intensities of heat, last night we had a campfire at the Reisler's. It was really comfortable. It gave us just enough radiation to warm our bodies around the marshmallows and, and the campfire fellowship. But there's other fires that, you know, you stay your distance because they're very hot. We adjust our distance based on the intensity of the heat. This was a blazing fire that Moses saw. But the unique thing was it wasn't consuming what it was burning. The bush, which is combustible, just sort of stayed there. And Moses saw in the midst of the bush what appeared to be an angel. So the angel of the Lord, which is oftentimes thought of as like a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, second person of the Godhead that he actually visited. And so it says that Moses turned aside to see this marvelous, he says, I must see this marvelous sight. I mean, Moses' job in the wilderness wasn't exactly thrilling on any given day, right? He was a shepherd. He took care of his father-in-law's sheep. And he'd done so for 40 years. Now, I'm not a shepherd, but I did get a shepherd's crook for one of, I think it was for Christmas or it was my birthday. Moses is a shepherd out in the wilderness, and he's not used to seeing such sights. So he turns aside, and as he approaches, this voice from the midst of the flame says, Stop. It's a warning. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the ground on which you are standing is holy ground. That took him back. I'm sure that it didn't look any different than the ground behind him or to the side. But God, or this voice from the midst of the flame, designated this ground as holy ground. What does holy mean? Set apart. Yes, you're right. Set apart from the other ground around it. It means set apart. It means completely other. It means that this ground, this place is where God chose to locate himself at this point in time. It doesn't take away from his omnipresence, but it says, this is the ground I have designated to be holy. Now, that means that God, in all his virtues, is completely perfect. Sometimes we think of holy as just righteous, you know, totally, you know, White, hot, righteous, without any blemishes. But it's more than that. It's infinite in love, infinite in gentleness and patience and understanding. It's infinite in power. It's infinite in justice. It's infinite in righteous anger and wrath. And it's infinite in mercy and grace. And all these things about God are held in absolute balance without conflict within themselves. This is who our God is. We can't begin to fathom the holiness of God. 
It is the umbrella virtue that holds together all the attributes or the things that are true about who he is. And so he says to Moses, take off your shoes because you're about to tread on holy ground and keep your distance from me. This is an interesting thing because God had set the fire because he wanted to draw Moses near. But as Moses draws near, he says, stay back. This is the conflict, right? Is that this holy God is revealing himself to a person for a particular purpose because he wants a relationship. He wants fellowship. And this is what our God is like. Transcendent above all things, separate from us, and yet desires so so passionately to know you. And that's why he says, Moses, Moses, calling him by name. Moses didn't know who in the world God was. He'd heard about it, but it had been a long time since he really knew anything about God. But God is God knows Moses and he's revealing himself to Moses. Take your shoes off. Why? Because the shoes are the dirtiest thing on Moses, right? They represent all the scum and the, the earth and the filth of the earth. And, and then Moses is qualified to be in the presence at a distance from God. God wants us in his presence, but we must come on his terms. We must be holy as he is holy. He says this to his people over and over again. You shall be holy as I am holy. And, and that does not change in the New Testament. The Apostle Peter says the same thing to us. And the question is, how in the world, how in the world can we become holy like he is holy? And that's the big issue the problem with humanity is that we can't, right? On our own, there is no way that I can be good enough to stand in the presence of God. This fire was burning, but it was not consuming. God wanted to dwell with his people. He didn't consume them. He wanted to walk with them. And soon he would present himself as a pillar of fire by night that would not consume but would lead and guide and protect them? The answer is, as the Bible unveils this plan of salvation, is that God provides the way to become holy through his son, Jesus Christ. Only Christ, the second person of the Godhead who came down to earth in the form of man, taking upon himself the appearance of a man humbling himself as a servant, not coming to be served, but to serve and giving his life as a ransom for many. He becomes our substitute. He takes our sin in his own body and he offers himself up as a sacrifice to God. And in return, we become righteous. He prepares us for this relationship which we then continue. Salvation is not just to be made righteous, but it's an ongoing experience of holiness. God is not through with you the moment you receive him. 
He's not just waiting for heaven to happen. But he's preparing you day by day to become more and more like him in holiness. To become more loving, more gentle, more long-suffering, more of the things that God is. Because what happens is that the Holy Spirit, did I say that? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you become his temple and he begins to change you from the inside out and you begin to radiate like the burning bush to a world around us that's dark and lost but curious and wanting to turn aside to see more and then we have the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel that saved us from sin this is the burning bush It's an amazing thing, and there's much more. Secondly, God reveals himself to to, to Moses as the covenant God who really cares. He says, Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. You know, he has to sort of build this relationship, this bridge. He says... I'm their God. I belong to them and they belong to me. And now I'm revealing myself to you. So there is a relationship. He is the covenant God who took Moses' ancestor Abraham outside and showed him the stars and said, count them. Here is Abraham, too old to have children. He's out there. Counting the stars. He says, now, if you can count the stars, I want you to know that the descendants that come from you and Sarah are going to be more than the stars of the heavens. You're kidding. I don't even have a son. And I'm like 90 years old or 75 years old. Are you serious? Yeah. And furthermore... Though you're a vagabond and a wanderer and living in tents, I'm going to give you all the land for your possession. And those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. And through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. A reference to the coming son called Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Salvation would come. Through Abraham's lineage. So he is the covenant God. And then he says right after this, this little object lesson in the sky to Abraham. He says, but I want you to understand something. That your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And they'll be enslaved and they'll be oppressed for 400 years. How do you know that? But I will judge the nation whom they serve. And afterward, they will come out with many, many possessions. A promise that he repeats to Moses. How does God understand? How does God know? In the very covenant that he gives to Abraham, he foretells that 400 years in the future, 430 years, that this is going to happen. Now, Did God not see the suffering of his people? What about those who were born and died under the oppressive regime of Egypt? Where was God then? 
I don't know. He was right there, right? He saw, but he had a plan. He was building himself a nation, 2.4 million people in the land of Goshen who would come out as a people who knew their God, experienced the joy of freedom as they'd never known before, and know that God was indeed their deliverer. That's the God we serve. And he does not answer to us. He does what he wills. And it's always good. He says, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cries. I am aware of their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them. You may be here this morning and say, does God know what I'm going through? Does God hear me when I cry? Does God really care? You can believe that he does. And after you have suffered for a little while, he will himself strengthen, confirm, and establish you, the Apostle Peter tells us. So be patient and long-suffering and trust in his goodness and cry out to him in your pain and know that he hears and he will be there for you. God is revealed as a God of compassion, a God who keeps his promises and a God who comes down to deliver. Then God reveals his plan for deliverance to Moses. He says, Moses... Come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Whoa, 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 whoa. back up. What did you just say there, God? You're going to send me to Pharaoh? I'm 80 years old, okay? I'm too old for this. It's time for retirement. I've been out here in the desert for 40 years taking care of sheep that aren't even mine. My, my father, you know, I'm just a hireling. I fled from Egypt, God, under duress because I had killed a man. The, even though there's a new king, I'm sure they know who I am. And if I show up, are you serious, God? You want to say, and the Hebrews, I left them behind. I've left my family, I've left my friends, some have died. They don't even know who I am, and those who do are going to say, and where have you been, Moses, while we were suffering? In Midian, in the desert, taking care of sheep, having a good time? I don't think so, Moses. He says, God, I'm not the guy for this. Besides, you've just revealed yourself as being holy. That's pretty high expectations, I don't think I can do this. And God says to him two things. He says, Moses, certainly I will be with you. I will be with you. Is that not enough? My little brother had a paper route. He was ten years younger than me. And I came home from school on a break. And my brother said, you know, my paper route, every day when I go, there's these bullies. And every time I get to this place on the block in my route, these bullies intimidate me and 
call me names. And I said, I think I'll go on your route with you today. So I followed him on my bike. And we got to this place, and sure enough, these guys were hanging out. And there was strength in numbers, and they, they looked a little bit taken back that I was with him, but they said a few things to my brother. And uh, my brother had some special needs. Uh, and I turned to them and I said, Hey, don't ever talk to my brother like that. If you do, if you lay a hand on my brother, if you talk to him like that, if you bother him on this route again, you'll have to answer to me. I won't put up with that. That was the last time he had any problems. That's the kind of God we have. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to save us from every wrinkle and every pain and every suffering. Even Paul, when he was in prison, said, I am confident that God will deliver me safely to his eternal kingdom. And he's in prison, suffering, and he doesn't die a great death. But he knew that God was going to take him safely to heaven because God is with us. His people. You. He knows you by name. He's called you to himself. And he promises never to leave you or forsake you. You can count on that. So whatever you're going through, no matter how big it is, how difficult it seems, how uncomfortable you are, how anxious or depressed you feel, there is hope. Because you have the presence of the great invisible God who works Do you believe that? This is God's people. This is a message for us. That God has promised his presence with us. God reveals his plan for deliverance. It is a plan that delivers them from bondage in Egypt and to the promised land. And this is always the way God works in our salvation too. He delivers us from bondage of sin. And all the lostness and the confusion and the hopelessness of a life apart from God where you're just sort of out there making your own decisions arbitrarily lost in space to delivering us to peace with God and grace and wisdom from God and hope of eternal life and belonging to a A family of God. Oh, the difference. Translated from darkness into light. From bondage into liberty and freedom. No longer are we bound by sin. We have the power over sin because of his presence and because of this deliverance. Finally... God wants Moses to know just who's sending him. Moses says to God, okay, okay, you got me there. You're going to be with me. Oh, the second, the, the second promise was that you're going to come back to this place. You're going to bring all those people with you back to this place where the burning bush is, and you're going to see the mountain, and it's going to be burning and smoking, and I'm going to put a boundary around it because I don't want the people to ascend it, but you're going to bring them back here to worship me. 
And they're going to see the same thing that you saw. And they're going to understand the same thing about me that you understood. That I am holy. I'm amazing. And I love you. And I want a relationship with you. And I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to take you into the promised land. And it's going to be a good land. Where all those Perizzites and Amorites and Jebusites and Hittites and Canaanites. They're all going to be there already settling the land. Already doing the agricultural things and grazing the cattle. It's all going to be yours. It's like taking rent in a furnished, a well-furnished apartment. You didn't do anything, but... It's all going to be yours. So, Moses, this is what you have to look forward to. This is your hope. It looks tough now, but you're going to come back here. You're going to worship me right here. And I'm going to take this people on to the promised land. Okay, the, the last thing that God wants to do is to reveal himself as the great I am. Moses says to him, okay, so I'm going, I'm going to talk to Pharaoh and I'm going to explain to the people that you're going to deliver them now after 400 years of oppression. So who do I say that you are when they ask me that, you know, like by whose authority are you doing this? You know, in Egypt, there's this plethora of gods and Moses had grown up in the courts of Pharaoh and he had known about Ra, the sun god and and Isis and Thorath and all these other gods who represented different aspects of life to whom you would go for help on particular items. But who can I say is sending me? And God says, I am who I am has sent you. I was like, what do you do with that? So, the ultimate reality, God, you know, totally unique, self-existent. He was never born. He never died. He was not created. There was no force behind him. He is not explained. He just defines himself. This is the God that you tell them is going to deliver them. It's like, what can you do with that? How can you argue with a God like that? who is infinitely above our fabrication of little gods who might somehow help us or respond. I am the God who will deliver you. It's interesting, folks, that years later, in response to some questions from the Jews, Jesus tells them that he is going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. And he said, who do you think you are? Our father Abraham, I mean, couldn't even build, build this. Are, are you greater than he is? And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is the one to whom we come, to whom we go through to the Father. He is God in the flesh, come down to explain the Father's heart that he is holy, but he loves us so much that he wants a relationship with us. We can have that relationship through the Son. As we place our faith and our confidence completely in Jesus. 
we are made whole. We are made clean. And now we can crawl up on our Father's holy lap and say, Abba, Father, I love you. Isn't that amazing? Because we've been made holy by Christ. Declared righteous. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you may still be in bondage. You may be lost. You may be confused. You may be wandering. Come to God through Christ. Believe that he died for your sins. He took all the filth and the garbage and the confusion and the sin and he bore it in his own body on the cross for you and for me. And he says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You shall have eternal life. You shall be made holy so that you yourself can enjoy this relationship with this awesome God as he leads you. Into the promised land. He has gone to prepare a place for us. It's well furnished. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. So that where I am, you may be also. He will come back. All his promises are good. He will fulfill his promises because he is a covenant God. You can take that to the bank. Let's stand for the benediction. If you're here and you want to talk more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would like to stay by and talk with you. You know, you can ask anyone in this congregation who you know is a Christian. And they'll tell you what it means to accept Christ as your Savior. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and dominion forever. Amen. Go in peace.